to the two marks exclusively on the pod station. Welcome listeners to another episode of Snowpiercer, I mean Loki, brought to you by the Two Marks. This time we are discussing episode 3, Lamentis, and once again the Two Marks are delivering an irreverent review, providing you lively debate, conversation and social commentary. Is there a variant deal on Musk who has created a charger for the Tempad? Should Loki invest in a sling ring, not a sex aid toy? How strong is a worksman's hut against the inbound destroyed planet? And if you got sucked off a train, would you survive? All this and more will be unpacked on this week's episode. Let me introduce my friend and co-host. Mr. Mark Pollard. <laughs> People need to see your face. I don't think they realise how pleased you are with that intro. It was a very good intro, by the way, but you were exceedingly pleased with yourself there. When I was writing it, I was a bit excited about it. <laughs> you chuckling to yourself. I was. Do you know what I do that? You know, when you type in text messages, I have a Mac if Apple would like to be a sponsor of the show, the two Macs at thepodstation.co.uk. But when I'm typing out a text message, like a WhatsApp reply, you can always tell what type of a message it is that I'm typing because I've got it written all over my face if it's a funny one I've got this stupid grin and I'm sort of laughing to myself because it's the funniest thing in the world if it's an angry one you can see I've got the frown in my face <laughs> so my missus often looks at me and knows exactly what it is that I'm typing and can usually tell who I'm sending it to as well so she can usually guess I'm sending something to you because it's usually I've got this stupid grin on my face I'm the same when I'm responding to someone's comment on LinkedIn I'm just like chortling to myself like a loon I can't keep myself serious when I'm doing those. I know you're supposed to, but I just can't. Life's too precious to be bothered, isn't it? <laughs> this particular one, I was quite impressed because the sling ring is, in fact, an actual thing in the multiverse. Right. Mastery of the sling rings is essential to the mystic art. It allows us to travel throughout the multiverse. All you have to do is focus, visualise. Oh, that's the one that they have in Doctor Strange, wasn't it? It is. Ah, yeah, so, that's the one where he does the wax yeah. on, wax off. Carl Mordo, the guy who teaches Doctor Strange the art, is the one who says about the sling ring. Ah, got So you. what I've done there is taken a, an established Marvel thing and made it, made it rude yeah <laughs> And Snowpiercer, you see, I haven't watched that. I, right, well, I do mean to do it. Is but it first good? of all, watch the film. Yeah. The film, as according to John Hurt, hasn't been destroyed by Harvey Weinstein because apparently Harvey Weinstein is known for cutting films. He's known for other stuff as well, but mostly... <laughs> I wondered where you were yeah. going with this. Well, I allowed, allowed the purposeful hesitation for people to fill in the blanks, but that wasn't where I was going, you see. So it's all of you dirty listeners. He was known. He's not now. He's, is he dead? He's not dead. No, he's in, in prison. He's in prison. For life. Yeah, you're either dead or in prison. He's known for doing, like, a cut to films. We used to piss directors off. Right. But the guy who won an Oscar for Parasite, Boon Hoon or something, sorry if I got your name wrong, he directed the film based on the book. Then they did the series on Netflix, who isn't a sponsor. The two marks at the podstation.co.uk. I would suggest watching the film and then watch the series, which has been renewed. Now, I know this is a low-key show, but I watched Rambo 455 the other day. Yeah, I remember it. My Mrs wasn't well so she went to bed early because it's not really the kind of film she'd be bothered about I thought do you know what I'll put something on that I kind of want to see what happens but I would never be allowed to watch it in her presence because it's probably going to be rubbish and I watched Rambo 4000 there's a lot of them I can't remember it's the most recent one where a girl gets kidnapped by the cartel yeah Yeah. isn't Zimmer Frame isn't he on this one (laughs) 
Because <laughs> he got like gun turret on a Zimmer frame. Well, whatever you may think of the storyline, the level of gruesome detail is not to be underestimated. I was quite shocked. Certainly, as the Rambos have gone along, the death kill has gone up substantially. I think he killed in the first five minutes of, was it Rambo 4, the same number of people as he killed in all three previous ones. Do you ones. know when the Rambo 4 was ridiculously gruesome? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was they just were... mowing people down. Even innocent yeah. people, just like... Well, they'd employed a lot of amputees because of... <laughs> It feels wrong though, doesn't it? It feels wrong to do that, but when he's got a chain gun or whatever, it helps that you already have no leg. In this one, for example, there was some spear things that flipped back into somebody's face and yes. the camera didn't pan away from the fact that it just sliced through this guy's face. There was no cutaway to leave the disaster that remains to the figment of your imagination. They just showed you it all. Oh, it's it's not a Hitchcock movie, is it? No. If you like Rambo films, it's worth watching, if only just for the sheer gory death. Actually, seamlessly leads us on to we do reviews don't we we do actually yes indeed so the two marks we do a number of shows we've got a film policy where we do reviews of films and we also post reviews on social media they've been a bit lax this last couple of weeks but that's because we're busy people Disco Fever which is a Star Trek Discovery show which we'll be doing the season 4 show when it drops in September we've got Pick Hard Talk we do Star Trek Picard series which is out next Next year. year and then we do the Marvel stuff which is what you're listening to we've already covered one to six of one division which yeah. we've done as bulk because we would start way too late we started recording falcon and the winter soldier we've also done a mandalorian series and obviously we're doing this one all that fantastic content will be coming out to you in the very near future if you just subscribe to the two marks channel on all of the major podcast platforms then you will be able to get all of them follow us on social media we're on facebook twitter and instagram we run a twitter poll for each of the episodes so you can tell us what you think at the time of this coming out the poll for this episode which is episode 3 is already open go on and tell us and if you throw in a comment there we'll read it out on the show excellent I think that's it we've been a victim in fact because during lockdown there was very little in the way of Marvel things then all of a sudden there was Division, Falcon and then Loki and then there's the What If series and there's going to be a whole plethora of others coming through we've actually chosen in my humble opinion the best show to do a weekly episode upon well done us and then we've got all the movies we're going to be inundated with Marvel stuff which is marvellous marvellous well the poll for episode 2 the options we gave were it was like a trip to the archives sleepy emoji that got 0% vote so obviously no one thought it was a boring one we also did like Loki bit obvious obviously a play on the fact that he was called obvious by being a baddie suggesting that everyone knew where this episode was going that got 0 votes so nobody thought it was an obvious episode in second place what the actual insert word here which was a bit of a mind blowing experience 29% went for that okay 71% of you thought wow shit got interesting which suggests that you all liked episode 2 in the same way as I did ditto oh that's good then a two episode on the trot because they've approached this one slightly different haven't they like one division laboured a bit on the reveal of the big bad Loki's gone straight in if you think about the six episodes the first two episodes have been playing off Owen Wilson's character with Loki now we're going to delve deeper into the background to my prediction from last week well I've come up and these may be predictions you came with I just wasn't listening to you at the time but I've got some predictions off the back of this episode and actually I had one prediction which looks like it might actually come true off the back of the end of episode 2 which I've got to mention what do we think of this episode I liked it for different reasons <laughs> what's different reasons well, look, different reasons like... to the first two you like it for multiple reasons which qualifies different reasons and therefore 
in which case explain so the first two episodes I liked them because we were introduced to the TVA we were introduced to a whole new host of characters but we were also seeing Loki in a different setting than we used to out of his comfort zone now we've left the TVA behind we're on a planet away team type mission and it's building up more of the character but also his connectivity with the other variant the Enchantress we know named Sylvie is one of the things I was mentioning last week that's what I liked about it they were bouncing off each other there was a lot of comedic aspects to it I liked it for those reasons but they've all been enjoyable what about you? this was the least enjoyable episode of the three okay I still liked it yeah. still enjoyed it but I thought there was weird there was less in this but I think there was just as much in this if that makes sense there was lots of really subtle things said in this episode that I think will play a huge part in where this storyline goes going forward by the same token in terms of what they actually did in the episode there was very little they landed on a planet they ran around trying not to get hit on the head by a meteor and arguing a lot that's pretty much the fill of the episode I didn't find it as exciting I mean the last episode nearly weed myself with excitement it was it's embarrassing and I really enjoyed the first one this one wasn't quite up to that standard but I do feel like they've laid some cheeky groundworks to ramp it back up again in the next couple of episodes yeah I think they need to do that when you're introducing somebody it pays off sometimes to have an episode that isn't 100 miles an hour you've had the grounding with the TVA with Loki and now you've introduced another character that is canon it is something that fans will know Lady Loki and Enchantress are both established characters and in fact in my notes she becomes part of the Young Avengers the Enchantress I mean I'll go into it more later on I thought you were waiting for me to say oh um, in my notes but I don't have any notes today and not on your palm of your I've, hand I've only watched the episode once I didn't get a chance to watch it again so unlike last week where I was festooned with notes I watched the episode again so I've watched episode two three times oh well can you reach that far back to give yourself the pat I can't I'm too fat but <laughs> 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 you should say that I actually put the batteries in me uh, scales yesterday for the batteries. first time <laughs> well yeah you know me I like the gadgets of so I've, I've got one that tells you how old you are how big your feet are what your fat ratio is what length your toenails are and all the rest of it yeah. and the batteries must have gone dead from pre-lockdown I was doing quite well I'd lost some weight and I was going to the gym and then lockdown kicked in and I just decided to give up because I couldn't go anywhere or do anything yeah I put the batteries back in I wish I'd left them out now <laughs> did it groan when you stood on it one at a time please <laughs> something like that you like Did it cry? My my phone started vibrating violently. (laughs) We won't ask what it said. No, let's not. On mine, you see, you know when the needle starts to snap. Let's move on from my weight gain. <laughs> yeah. You are right, the episode doesn't do much. What it establishes is the portal device that they've stolen. They haven't charged it. Epic fail. Yeah, I mean, I've got one in my laptop bag over there. You know, those little pocket-sized ones. Why would you not keep one of those? You know, the USB chargers. In the interest of jumping heads for Easter eggs, what you do see in the closing credits, which has been changed, is the charger on Morbius's table. Ah. Uh. They've taken the actual tempad, but not the charger that was next to it. Because Loki's titting around, he's broken it as well and it kind of falls apart in his hand but we'll get to that let's start at the very beginning because I think the very beginning was hugely significant and actually confirmed a theory that I'd come up with over the course of when we last did this recording to when that episode came in you see because what was bothering me about the Morbius thing when he was in his boss's office and she was saying how there was all those coffee cup rings on the table and, and he was going who's got you all of this stuff because he brings her stuff doesn't 
doesn't he? Yeah. And it suddenly occurred to me that it feels a bit like with The Matrix, where it's almost like you're on a repeat cycle of doing stuff, but okay. your memory gets wiped, and so you don't remember that you've been in this office. So I wondered whether a lot of the stuff that he doesn't remember bringing for her, and therefore assume someone else brings her stuff, is actually him, but he's then had his memory wiped, because what happens is, and we find this out right at the beginning of this episode, when you've got the guard who now it transpires was just an ordinary human being on planet earth living a life and i suspect what happens is they breach the time code they get told they're going to get zapped or they can join the tva at which point they then have the memory wipe so that they don't remember their previous life as their memory comes back so with morbius i suspect as he becomes disenfranchised with the whole sacred timeline theory he'll just have his memory wiped he'll go back to the i'm fully on board again and live through but without realizing that for example all that stuff in the office is what he's brought in those previous times and his boss clearly knows that she just stays stumped out it all the theory was and I think it's explained in this episode isn't it that everyone's a variant yeah so what you're saying is that after we did the podcast last week you came up with a theory well I did say and I did stress this that it might have been something that you mentioned and I wasn't listening I was mostly focusing on Sylvie uh, but you know listen to the episode too I don't know why I'm speaking to the microphone to tell you you're sitting opposite me <laughs> Um, the thing I picked up on when Morbius is talking about Jetski I thought the explanation for that is because he's been taken from the 90s timeline yeah well that's what I've now concluded on my own having ignored any the theories and hypotheses you've put forward that's what I thought is that he's got an affinity for them because he probably owned one he probably loved jet skis at some point in his life have you just crossed that off because that was a theory you're going to come to point <laughs> that's my last point I'm claiming that one okay that was quite interesting that yeah well this is why the episode was interesting for other reasons you're absolutely right not a lot happened but I think that's okay although they're on a moving train and they're stationary what you find between the two of them one of the things that was picked up on episode two is she says it's not about you there's obviously other people at work other things happening that doesn't centre around Loki and as it goes on they build a bond yeah it's like a romance in a way there's talking love and there's daggers and the daggers alluded to love and there's the moon and all the songs that talk about the moon wow you got a lot more romance from that episode than I was getting (laughs) <laughs> yeah, a moon that's crashing down on somebody's entire planet. The words life, to the song that's playing literally don't know whether the, the song was chosen by Marvel and then they did the episode around the song. If you read the lyrics to the song, everything that happens in the song happens in the episode. A moon is like in your face. It all comes crashing down. Two people jump on a train together. Even the Snowpiercer thing I mentioned, the whole train. There's a disparity between the poor and the rich. It's not a spoiler. No, I've sort of seen the yeah, first ten minutes. I know. Everyone at the back of the train are all poor class are all well to do and rich you see this where people are trying to get on and they go into the the VIP bar the VIP bar which is empty it's quite sparse clearly get more people on but they haven't bothered because obviously rich people dicks um (laughs) But while that's going on, both of them are having a heart-to-heart. She tells him that she's adopted, but she knew where she came from because they told her. You don't find out whether she, in fact, was adopted by ice giants. But one of the Easter eggs that I've got of her dagger has got Asgardian stones to it. Could be from Asgardian royalty. Mm. You see... Going back to this very first scene, when we find out that she's had her memory wiped, this brought me back to episode two where I sort of likened it to North Korea with the design, with big statues, with these three lizard people who get to decide everything about everyone all of the time. And it felt like a massive dictatorship. When you find out this about that soldier, all of a sudden I'm thinking, of course it is. They wipe the memories until they stop believing in the bull that they've been getting fed. That then leads very 
much into what Sylvie is trying to achieve because it then becomes abundantly clear that her plan is purely to create a load of different timelines because she doesn't feel like these three people should have the complete autonomy and control over one single timeline and what happens. Clearly wants to go up and kill them so that they can't put things back the way they were. That very much flips it on its head. A bit like we were saying last week where the TVA are now almost the bad guys and the bad person who is still bad let's not tiptoe around the fact that she seems quite happy to kill people willy-nilly I mean if these variant people who now work for the TVA are legitimately having had their minds wiped then killing them seems an awfully unfair thing to do because they're almost not acting of their own volition are they? They're being brainwashed killing them gives them no opportunity to remember and then potentially become good guys again she's not a good person by any stretch in the same way as Loki as well Loki's killed many people what happened down on Earth in the Avengers film was not a good thing then you bring it back to the thing that he mentioned in episode 2 which is no one's totally bad no one's totally good then to take it further back you look at how WandaVision set the story where Wanda had control of the whole town and was mind controlling them all and it was in the 50s or whatever period she decided it was in you've now found out that these are variants handpicked from different timelines they've all been wiped and as you quite rightly say we don't know for a fact but it's a reasonable explanation that all these gifts souvenirs and whatever they are he's brought back from each mission there isn't another person it's him but as you say he's been wiped it's how you justify to yourself at what point you're bad Mm. and it's a relative concept until someone says that's bad if you are the person above it all and there's no overseer to you who's going to tell you Mm. particularly if you're wiping people's minds you're the only one who knows and if you think it's okay you don't think you're bad and I thought this episode was great until they landed on the planet and then it was still good but it went through a bumpy patch because I have to say I struggled with the you know like the forced comedy between the two characters for certainly the early part of once they'd landed on the planet where there was the witty bants being thrown around but it felt really forced it felt really artificial badly acted almost dare I say because we didn't know her we've got no affinity for her as a character and they don't know each other and clearly very different Lokis it didn't feel like they were on the same wavelength either in terms of their personalities or their humour and I don't think what Loki was saying was great either it got better as they got more serious ironically it got better so the funny bits became funnier because they were more subtle so like when he got pissed when she's falling asleep that was hilarious but that wasn't him trying to be funny that was just him making light of the scene in fact he even said you know this is an apocalypse it doesn't matter what we do it's not going to affect anything anyway so let's just go mad let's get drunk and have some fun absolutely and that was funny whereas before when they're going oh you're going to kill me aren't you yes well I'm no the characteristics are very strong he keeps calling her Loki and she's saying I'm not Loki and they keep pushing this thing that she looks like Loki she's got the broken crown she doesn't look like Loki that's the point in the comics she looks exactly like the right, Loki okay. she well, I didn't know that however she appeared in episode 2 that's how she looks in the comics right down to the broken horn on her helmet oh really crown. is that yeah yeah because that irritated me the OCD on me really wanted to get some super glue and stick that back well on. I think that's poignant from the fact that it's Lady Loki but it's Loki not a different person it's him as a woman that's why they've made it very clear and they've done a good job which is why I'm very happy and applaud the way they've done it is they allude to it as gender being fluid and then now they can say he's bisexual which in the comics is long established it's not like you know when they shoehorn and go by the way Spider-Man's now bisexual that's what annoys me I'm happy that you establish a character very early on that's okay and that's what they were talking about here but she's a very strong character in her own setting and we were talking the last episode about how you become your own person based on external influences your environment 
how you're brought up. Now, it's clear that her upbringing is massively different to his. They're both adopted, so they're both similar that way. Yeah, but if she's not Loki, of course. They're leaving it for the fans. She says, I'm not Loki, you can call me Sylvie. So straight away, as I said last episode, Sylvie, who's the Enchantress, they've pushed that. So fans are literally going, oh, it is, it is. But they haven't said it is. They could be. Marvel will probably do something clever again, and it'll end up being, you know, something else. Lady Loki, great established character, but she's saying, well, no, I'm not Loki, you can call me Sylvie. And then he keeps saying, oh, you're enchanting, and how did you get that? She is explaining her backstory, and I understand what you're saying about the force comedic stuff. I think that's done on purpose. It's like a nervous sexual tension. It's like, you know when you've got a crush on someone when you're 12, and you act like a complete fool? I've never done that. To try and impress them. I've always been smooth. Have you? Yeah. Smooth, with a capital smooth. (laughs) I think that's why it was a bit jarring, is because kind of messing around and trying to impress each other. Both got powers, and he's like flitting around like he does. She's her own person as well, so they're both strong characters and then on the train when he's had a few drinks becomes a bit more relaxed into it and they're explaining a bit more about the backstory and how he got his magic from his mum and I thought that was quite nice the episode didn't really do much in the way of action or although there was fights but it was nice to build those two characters I thought it was stopping off point the main story is the same as it was in episode 2 what we have now is a bigger bond between the two characters that I hope will go into the rest of the series episode 4 I imagine will now pick the story back up we now know the variants are taken from different time places we'll hopefully pick up the story again for the final three episodes which I think will be quite good yeah I think what they've done this episode has set it up brilliantly for next what do we think about Loki's powers because he gets to spread his wings use some of his powers in this episode we we haven't really seen a huge amount of Loki doing his thang but we did in this where he gets to flex his muscles a bit he's doing lots of morphing and yeah. creating stuff and just generally being quite clever I enjoyed seeing I liked the way he's mischievous we've seen it before and I think that was why it's good that the first two episodes he wasn't allowed to because then you're buying into another element of Loki not just the fact that he can shapeshift but actually when he's got his TVA jacket on and he's ready to work with them and everything else and he's only working off his wits he's a very capable character Mm. I think that was good to show us that otherwise you're just playing on the fact that he's a god who has superpowers what's special you become a bit desensitised to him I think with Sylvie he's just bouncing off her now when he's trying to impress her they've both got powers they're both very savvy characters they've got great powers haven't they he can turn himself into anything and she can control people's minds yeah so he's on the droid you're looking for together when they got on the train was a great example of when they actually worked together they're pretty good the woman in the hut went catastrophically wrong because they were both trying to do their own thing clearly hers was going to be a bad idea although you can see what she's trying to do she's going to go in there and just kick the shit out of anyone who got in her way to that end you kind of get it I'm not quite sure what Loki was trying to do because <laughs> just looking at a picture going oh she's got a husband I'll turn into him you've got no idea of his backstory which is clearly what kicks him in the ass on yeah. this occasion because it turns out he's a knob yeah. but you don't know whether he's dead I mean he could have been dead for 20 years in which case she's sitting there going you're supposed to be dead kaboom they're just both arrogant people who've got powers which is a dangerous combination really again it didn't add much to the story it's just I suppose this journey they're both on now they've got this time pad which you just press a button you jump through a portal you save like Pompeii you know you were saying about the urgency well that ties into what you were saying about this lack of urgency because you're arrogant enough to believe that when you press a button that opens a portal the portal will work mm. 
now they're on a planet that's coming towards them at high speed the portal pad battery's dead but it's also broken well there's a couple of flaws with this episode when they get sucked on the train they've sucked off they both get sucked off the train they're still within walking distance of the city they were supposed to be going to on the train probably a Riva train <laughs> yeah that stops at every station yeah. so it takes four hours but actually travels a mile yeah that's, that's a very good point it must have been because they walked there didn't they after they yeah. got thrown off I'm surprised they survived and they still got there before the moon decided to go catastrophic on it which was really really strange I thought that was a bit odd it didn't add up particularly that was just another humorous escape Wiley Coyote type the speed it was going if that had happened you probably wouldn't survive it and I don't really understand what the, the soldiers were fighting for particularly if the planet was going to get destroyed and they were aware that that was the case why would you be standing on the planet trying to stop people getting on they'd be like listen if you want to try and get on try and get on I'm going to try and get on too because otherwise we're all going to die the point where they were all poor and they're all the rich people getting on and then because you've got a privileged individual someone's not wearing a mask he's gone and reported you the army come in boom you're taken down they're all going to the ark at this point by the way so all the rich people think that Elon Musk's going to save them and there they are getting the train direct to the ark so at this point all the poor people are goosed the ones on the train are the ones thinking yeah we've got a chance because we've paid a million Zandorian credits to get to the ark so they think there's a chance but obviously because Loki's now drunk and changed his outfit he doesn't fit in with their clothing somebody's gone I've paid a lot of money for this can you sort him out please I know what a miserable get he was yeah I mean there's a lot of room he wasn't really doing it wrong everyone's all cheerful he's fun everyone's yeah. getting drunk if you're gonna die at least yeah. die drunk Karen comes along says he's having too much fun if you pop <laughs> you know Hollywood's made a film called Karen <laughs> That was, I think, just a comedic segue into the fact that they can walk faster than a train. The other thing that really got me now, I mentioned this in episode one. In fact, I offered my services to Loki, my legal services to Loki, in getting him off. On the back of what we saw at the very... (laughs) Off being found guilty of being a variant. He did not offer to get Loki off. Hey, he's bisexual he's, 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 he's a good that. guy I think he'd have to do something with his hair because his hair is getting increasingly annoying it seems to constantly be says top in knot well you know but, yeah but I've tied mine up out of the way it's he's constantly having to flick his head back or so it's like dude tie it up or get it cut <laughs> one or the other okay. pick a team but yeah I offered my legal services because I thought it was outrageous that the Avengers were allowed to go back in time and change a cataclysm event by going back and getting the stones and I found it particularly unfair because Loki who was minding his own business I mean he was just walking along in handcuffs having been told off saw an opportunity to escape didn't realise what it was he was doing by escaping bar he was escaping and gets banged to rights for it having now watched them go back to Pompeii and now to this other planet it suddenly realises what the double standard was that these lizard people the timekeepers have been applying because the Avengers who massively changed the timeline with what they've done to prevent a cataclysmic event an apocalyptic event and yet what happens if the Avengers had gone back to stop Pompeii from happening would the timekeepers have done something about it then I suspect they'd have probably let them off because it's the Avengers but what it fed back into was the whole theory that the timekeepers are dicks and that the TVA is an oppressive regime and that actually over the course of the next three episodes 
episodes we're going to become increasingly cheering for anyone who's anti-TVA it does shout of a double standard they've made it clear that apparently you know what happened in Endgame was foretold as it were now the bigger question is which is where your head will blow up so we know the TVA is sitting out of time don't know in what time we're watching this programme we assume we're watching the programme in a certain fixed time all these branch things that are being set off now could well be the things that happen in the programmes we've already seen and because people have been reset they've forgotten I see so their ability to go back in yeah but you see no that won't work because if their ability to go back in time is because they've now got many timelines we won't been having the conversation with Loki about the fact they've gone back in time because TVA wouldn't have known about it because it hasn't happened yet it's only after what Lady Loki did in the last episode that's kicked off what you've just said there but if they stopped her the first time and then they reset everybody and then she's done the same thing again another variant every variant is handpicked to mind wipe from a particular time if you look at the dates one of those dates is 1940 something which is the same time as Captain America went back to see Peggy Carter well episode one you saw what looked like Peggy Carter now if she's been grabbed by the TVA that means that timeline's been capped no pun no pun intended the other dates as before Peter Quill was born would have stopped certain things happening these are massive timelines that if ignored the whole of the MCU would just fall apart then there's the bigger question is where does the TVA sit because where did it come from who set it up who watches the watchers we don't know who the timekeepers are do they exist are they dead is Judge Renslayer the person who only knows all of what's going on and is she the person who's like the marionette controlling everybody a bit like in WandaVision we're assuming the timekeepers because we keep hearing about them we haven't seen them are they still there have they gone it might be that Mephisto a lot of questions that need to be answered we've been told as the viewer that the TVA is this thing is it is it a thing it's a thing in the comics no I know it's a thing because I'm watching on my telly it must be a thing it's a construct but is it a thing who knows that's the thing are we things things So the mind boggles. Lady Loki eludes Sylvie. We're going to call her Sylvie because it might not be Lady Loki. Sylvie eludes right at the beginning to the fact when she's talking to Loki, I think right at the beginning of their partnership, how she's been fighting this a while. This feels like it's either been a mission which is personal to her because, I don't know, maybe her parents were considered variants and taken by the TVA and she managed to avoid being destroyed with the time detonators. She avoided that maybe she got through a gate before it all went off and has managed to avoid that so she now remembers that her parents have been taken or whatever it might be but it sounds like she's been fighting this fight for a while and the only reason Morbius doesn't know that is because every time he probably does cotton on to the fact that he might be fighting for the wrong team it's his brain wiped possibly that Morbius will remember stuff like the jet ski could be a trigger for him is that a Russian guy jet ski you know like in Inception yeah if it's spinning it's real and if it stops it's not or one of the two his jet ski magazine could be his anchor point that brings him back to the fact that he's been taken from the 90s and the 90s is when Captain Marvel is he just finds a pair of sailing shoes in his cupboard and remembers yeah cream pants am I going too far back am I going 80s Miami Vice just be a trigger for him whenever I see anyone in pastel colours this is a trigger for me he's had the the French wear like pastel colours haven't they yeah I'd say they look good I have to say Italians I once found myself in the unfortunate position of the first time I went to Rome we were looking at it used to be the parliament when it was a communist country they call it the wedding cake and at the back they've got sort of a registry office with this sort of nice little courtyard which looks quite pretty and some gardens that go around there and I was walking around because it was red hot I was in shorts and t-shirts and 
flip-flops looking very touristy. There's no way of avoiding it, is there? It just happens that out of this registry office came like a hundred of the best dressed Italians oh, you've really? ever seen in your life. I'm talking, you know, five-year-old kids who normally slide around on the floor on the knees and in Britain when they go to weddings. They were all in like Armani oh, the, suits. Okay. And then 90-year-old fellas who, again, in this country would probably have the shirt sticking out the fly, probably have a sock tucked into the bottom one of the pants. They were rocking out in the most amazing Armani type suit so the long and short of it was this entire family orchestra just looked like a fashion magazine Wow! and I was standing there in my flip flops and my t-shirt going shit I need to get out of here and then obviously I found a device and opened up a portal and straight through the future and then we killed that timeline immediately immediately <laughs> true but very boring story you may want to edit that out I always love your stories <laughs> The question is, does anyone else? What year was it? Was it the 90s? No, well, I'm not that young. 2005-ish. Oh, okay. The two time periods I'm aware of that were not great when you look back on them. 80s and 90s. I mean, they, they had the were times. great, just a matter of perspective, I guess. Well, they were great at the time. I look at photographs in the 90s that you thought you looked really good in the 90s. And you the go, shell suits. That's my point. <laughs> Until they realised that if anyone even slightly knocked two stones together to create a spark, your whole shell suit would go... <laughs> Oh man, honest to God, it's a miracle I made it through childhood with those shell suits on. Yeah. <laughs> they were that flammable. Always really loud colours for some reason. Subtle. Subtle colours. You look back on them and go, I remember that looking very trendy. Honest to God, I looked a million dollars in mine. <laughs> And then I look at the pictures and go, mm, really? Yeah. Then you hide the pictures. <laughs> I'll burn them along with the shell suit. Use the shell suit as the fuel. <laughs> No need for fire yeah. lighters. Gone. Was it polystyrene? Christ only knows what it was. It was polyester, wasn't it? Was it? Tinder. <laughs> Not to be confused with the data now. Whatever it was, it had a high touch rate. <laughs> Talking about Jeffrey Epstein there. Flammable. Quickly. Flammable, yeah. It would have gone up very quickly. Again, like Jeffrey Epstein. But, um... <laughs> oh, dear. There isn't a huge amount more, really, you can discuss about the episode. I think the theory of where this might go is probably the crux of this episode, and we won't know the answers to that until next week. The whole point of the journey is to get to the Ark, which is destroyed by the fragments from the planet that's inbound, all is lost. Well, we know what's going to happen. The TVA are going to pop in, aren't they? Yeah. And save them before the planet's destroyed. Yep. And then they'll be prisoners of the TVA, and they'll have to persuade Morbius to free them. So, I mean, that wraps up that it does. episode. We've been quite efficient today. What Easter eggs have we got? We've covered a couple of them. We get to see Loki's dagger flip that's synonymous with his character. We saw it in Thor Ragnarok when he's in the Battle of Asgard. I mentioned that Lady Loki or Sylvie's got um, an Asgardian sword, which could allude to the fact that she is from royal heritage because the rune stones are encrusted on the blade are Asgardian. I've already mentioned about the fact that she's got the crown with the one horn, which she uses in the fight. We were talking about Loki. He did his little magic trick that he used with Coulson in yeah. 2000. 12, he kept it low-key. used that last episode. Oh, did I? Yeah. Is it going to be well, a thing? I, I low-keyed it a lot. Yeah, I'm going to have to wipe your mind again and we'll have it next episode. <laughs> Lamentis is mentioned in a prologue called Annihilation Conquest. Now, the other thing is it could have links to Xandar because Xandar was destroyed by Thanos. The inhabitant to the planet could be Xandarian. The other reason why I think that is because the writing looks very similar to the writing in Guardians of the Galaxy. Again, mentioned Sylvie could be the Enchantress. Obviously, I mentioned last episode 
episode because of the credits in Spanish said Sylvie. So it's pointing to the fact that she could be Sylvie Lushton from the comics. Interestingly enough, added to that, her sister Lorelai appeared in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. The other thing, as I said before, is the Enchantress joins the Young Avengers, which also alludes to another thing I mentioned in episode one, that the villain could be Kang the Conqueror. That's the villain of the comics. We know we're going to see him in Ant-Man 3. He dates the Judge Lady. He does indeed. Well, that was why I mentioned it in episode one. The other magic trick we see is Loki shape-shifting, and we saw that in Thor The Dark World. We find out, actually, his tricks come from his mum. He reveals that Frigga gives him the magic, or at least shows him how to do the magic. The other interesting thing, which during the exchange where his bisexuality pops up, and she's like, oh, very good. I had a bit of a fling with a postman. This is really good for many, many reasons. Not particularly that she's grabbed a postman. That's what I assume she meant. Postman Pat. Yeah. yeah with his black and white cat. It could be. The postman was the leader of the Morlocks, who were an underground group of mutants. That could link them to the X-Men. Or the postman could be Willie Lumpkin, who delivered mail to the Fantastic Four, or dated Peter Parker's Aunt May. But the other thing that I took it further, cast your mind back to the link between the Watchers and the Timekeepers. If you remember, along all of the films, you had cameos from Stan Lee. Well, it's alluded to that he was a Watcher. Mm. One of the films, which was Civil War, he played a postman. Arguably, it could be a massive Easter egg to say that she was dating or going out with Stan Lee. The bit we were talking about earlier where he's in the bar getting drunk and singing songs, he slams the drink down, says another. That's a throwback to the original 2011 film Thor, where Thor slams his cup of coffee down and says another, so it's a link to that. Loki uses a line that was said by Vision in WandaVision, where he uses the metaphor love is hate, kind of a twist on what Vision says, what is grief if not love persevering? Call back to WandaVision. My last Easter egg, which is the TVA variants. Very good. The analogy you gave for the love thing was a bit more derogatory. Well, it was all right. I actually thought it was quite a good one, but he obviously felt he was too soppy, which is when they sort of dismiss it and move on. So, scores on the doors. What would you give this out of 10? Now, what did you give episode one? Episode one, nine. And I gave episode two, nine. And you complained because I gave it nine. But this week's eight. Right. And the reason why this week's eight is because it was missing some of the things I enjoyed from the first two. Still enjoyable because sometimes it's not all about the aesthetics. It's about the characters. And we constantly complain, or at least I do, on Star Trek Discovery. They don't always focus enough on development of characters. Kind of just shoehorned in. Then they sometimes forget the narrative. It's good to have balance of two. We've had a lot of establishment and exposition. We know where we are with Loki. And now we've got this other character. So I really enjoyed it for that reason. That's why I've given it an eight. Okay. I am going to get... Well... Seven. I'm gutted because I, I wish I could have watched it a second time because I wondered whether I might change my mind. <laughs> and so I watch this space for the next episode because I may correct myself. You're right, I am going to go for seven. I gave episode one nine, I gave episode two ten. This one, it felt underwhelming in comparison to the previous two. It was still very good, it was still very entertaining, and there was still lots to dig into, but it just felt a little bit thinner than the other two. It felt like they were dropping some bombs in in there that would carry us through the final three episodes to a big finale. I think episode four is going to be better. Yes. And I think episode five and six are going to be proper ding-dongs because I think episode four is going to be about planting the seed in Morbius's head that this isn't the way it should be. And I think five and six are going to be him fighting that and then it all coming together. I'm going to predict that I will give episode four an eight. I will predict that I'm going to give episodes five a nine and probably episode six a 10. I would predict that you're going to give it a 7, an 8, and a 10. <laughs> I've put it on the record. Unless I edit it out. 
I'll stand by that. All right, guys, hopefully you've enjoyed that. If you found it great and entertaining, give us a review. If you haven't, give us a review anyway, but just be kind. Go on the socials, throw your comments. We want some comments. We want some feedback about the episodes, the shows, our thoughts, your theories. Let us read them out on the show. It's the two marks. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you want to send us a long one, you can email us at the two marks at thepodstation.co.uk. Send us an email if that's your bag. Don't mind. Check out our other shows if you haven't subscribed. You can go to thepodstation.co.uk. You can find the two marks tab. You'll find all the links to our channels, and then you can subscribe. And then when they drop, they'll be already on your device. Thank you for listening. Yes, indeed. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll catch you next time. Excelsior! Social at the Two Marks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, check them out on YouTube.